joining me and my guest Belinda on today's episode of Stuck in the Attic as she phones in from Australia. Belinda. Hi. Hey, welcome. Welcome on the show. Um, <laughs> Thank you. So what time is it down there? It's around seven-ish? It yeah. is. Yeah. yeah. Now, what, what side of Australia are you, on, are you on? I'm not really familiar too much. I mean, I know it's a country. It's about it. <laughs> it's small compared to you guys. Well, I'm in Sydney, so I'm on the east side of Australia. Is it really? Which is the biggest small? part. Of it. Yeah, there's only 25 million people in Australia. Yeah, but land-wise, like, you guys are big. Tons. Yeah, that's right. We've got space everywhere. That's a lot better, I think, in my view. Oh, yeah, it's fantastic. So are you guys still on lockdown? I mean, what's your coronavirus status, I guess you could say, right now? Uh, we're, we're doing better. Um, statistically, uh, you know, Australia's doing quite well. We've got you know hardly any cases compared to the world but you know it's it's um pro rata to our population but we are the restrictions have been lifted like oh not lifted but like they're slowly um eased up a bit easing. yeah yeah we're allowed to go and visit people now and i think as of this friday we're allowed to have gatherings of up to 10 people outside and they're going to open pools again oh, and good. okay so we'll things get like back that to normal for you guys slowly yeah it's, it's such a breath of fresh air to hear that because we're we're starting to flatten out a little bit. You know, it, it, the problem is it might start moving out west, but um, I'm still working. Well, thank Jersey, God. You? I'm sorry. You're in New Jersey, aren't you? Yeah, New Jersey. Yeah. So it's on the so east the coast. numbers are quite high there. Yeah, the numbers are quite. They're high now, but they're kind of um, they're kind of flattening. From what I understand, they're yeah. getting a little better. Mm. Mm. Uh, it's a very, very overly populated area. Well, that, that's it. Like, I, I, you know, maths is not my strong point, but um, you've got more people there. So it, it could be very similar to what it's like here. It's just that you've got more people. The, yeah, it's probably pretty similar, but we we have a very dense population in the area where I originally am from. I moved out of yeah. that area, but I'm still considered part of the metro area. So I'm within 50 yeah. miles of New York City. So um, we kind okay. of have like very, pretty strict, you know, like um, six feet apart, you know, um, social yeah. distancing. But yeah, then again, we're the same. The thing is, it's still America. And you know how Americans <laughs> are. We kind of don't want to be told what to do. So. I know, I know. Yeah, and we're, we're, we've been, you know, we've had similar. There's, um, I mean, the rules are a bit convoluted and people are getting confused and people are angry, but I think that all just comes down to people are scared. So they don't know how to handle a, such a crazy situation and I, I can understand that. And this is where we thrive. You know, I had a, I had my guest Court. last week and he was like, he goes, dude, we're built for this. You know, we're built for a challenge like this. We're of course, we like, <laughs> we like we like making things hard on ourselves. <laughs> yeah, we like to make things really a lot more complex than it has to be. Of course, and we are fear-based animals to begin with. So, um, absolutely, this is, this is like you know, like uh, pile up the sandbags. We're ready to hunker down for a battle. 
know, That's exactly right. Yeah, it sucks, but you know what? You know what I've been dealing with re- lately on my end? I've been dealing with um, resentments trying to fester back up and how to deal with that. How to, um, it's that quiet time. It's the fear of, the, of what's coming, you know, the unknown. Sure. When this is going to break. When well, I, I mean, I, I've sort of been in denial from the beginning about it, which is sort of, you know, sometimes how I run aspects of my life. But, you know, when it all started, I was like, you know, I oh, will be fine in a couple of weeks. Like it, it just wasn't hitting me the seriousness of the situation. Um, and it's been a couple of months now, you know, so but um, I, I, I'm kind of enjoying it. I, I, I lost my job about a month ago oh, and sorry. that was okay. Um, but I was okay about it, you know. I'm sober. I can do anything. Um, the, the old me would have had a massive pity party over it. But um, I've been exercising more. I'm cooking more. I'm reading more. I'm doing more step work, you know. So I, I'm using it to my advantage. It's good that you're you're doing that. Um, I, I tend to stay in my head a little bit, so I, I may not be as sure. good with that. Um, complacency has always been um, part of my problem, and that's why sometimes mm-hmm. I step it up, you know. But uh, yeah. d- doing this show helps me, like you wouldn't believe. It's it's it would. It's such a cool idea. Oh, it's great to hear other people talk about yeah. how they overcome, you know, that demon that they that lives inside their head. I mean, I can only think so much about what it's like until I actually, you know, need to hear somebody tell their story. You know, this is, this is killing me because I like to speak. So I go out and I do speaking commitments as much as possible. I could do them every week. And mm-hmm. it's not, it's not that I need to really hear myself tell, you know, my story, but it's the, the discipline is hearing myself uh, talk about where I came from and where, you know, yep. how I got there and stuff, you know, it's, it's circ- uh, which helps other people, you know, it does and and also now doing a podcast i get to hear other people's beautiful stories of of experience strength and hope and how they overcame and i get to i get to connect with beautiful people like yourself from around the world who are are going through different stages of their sobriety and and Mm. now different stages of this virus and it's like yeah it's like people listen to the show and they're like this is great you know it is um and I'm just a, I'm just a middleman. I, I just, you know, uh, I reach out to you guys and I ask you guys to come on and you guys come on and you tell such beautiful stories about, you know, hope for the future that it's people listen to it and they're like, thank you. Don't thank me. I just was, you know, lucky That's enough. It, you're just, yeah. I get what you're saying. Yeah. But um, now let, let's start with, with where you got to, um, in life how you got to where you are now and a little bit of your your story now you you grew up down there of course in australia um yeah born here mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about what it was like you know growing up um going into uh your first uh bouts with uh alcohol i think i grew up i mean i was raised um there was alcohol in the house a lot um you know, my dad was a, funnily enough, I, now that I know that I'm an alcoholic, I always thought my dad was an alcoholic, but um, turns out he was just a heavy drinker, which is, you know, they outline that explanation in the big book um, because he stopped. He just stopped one day. 
But um, as a kid, uh, he was a heavy drinker. He was, you know, it wasn't the greatest of childhoods. Um, he was quite an abusive drunk. So, but um, that said, he was, you know, full of love and he was very much the protector and, and took care of us all. So it was, you know, it was quite bittersweet. Um, but I started drinking around 17 Um got into drugs probably a year later and just just sort of dabbled like I was a typical teenager Mm -hmm. um nothing you know out of the ordinary and I think I you know handled oh not handled god you know you think you handle it but you're not really (laughs) I um I sort of did drinking and drugging for about 10 years and then the drugs sort of became a bit of a problem um but looking back, all the problems I really caused in my life were due to alcohol. Like I, for, I'll often share in AA that the first 10 years I was drugging and then the second 10 years of my partying I was drinking. But um, there was always a bit of both. Um, I did, I went into rehab when I was, I'm 44 years old now. I went into rehab when I was about, oh gosh, how old was I? Maybe... 20 late 20s early 30s something like that um this is the problem when you do all this shit to your brain like you can't remember stuff Um, (laughs) i've only (laughs) i've only got a few brain cells that function properly i have four so i counted them (laughs) (laughs) yeah i don't think i've got double figures that's for sure um but I, I, I still went in there with denial. You know, I was seeing a counsellor. He was a great guy and he got me, he encouraged me to go to rehab. And anyone that asked, I was saying, oh, well, I'm going in here for drugs. And I didn't have a drinking problem. And I, I did that. It was a, I think it was a five or a six week program. And I came out and drank the next day because I didn't have a drinking problem. I only had a drug problem. So the denial was, you know, I can look back and, and I can see the denial screaming off me. But at the time, I genuinely believed that, um, that I didn't have a drinking problem. And that sort of, I, I didn't touch drugs again after that, but um, the drinking, as they say, you know, it, it, it's progressive. It, it just, um, and I think with age too, like I sort of could smash the booze quite easily in my 30s but then when it got to my 40s it got harder um the hangovers were harder um the recovery time was harder pardon the recuperation time is always harder yeah yeah yeah. you know i used to be able to jump up and go to work no problem I i was very much the functioning alcoholic um you know, I, I would drink every single night and I'd put a fair bit away too, but I didn't consider myself an alcoholic by any stretch. Um, and I think that's where I actually, my heart goes out to the people that function whilst drinking because it's it's harder for them to get help, I think, because they're still running their lives, you know? So it wasn't, um, it wasn't until maybe the last four, five, six years of my life that it started getting bad. You know, I started being abusive to people when I was drinking, like to my partners at the time. Um, you know, I started taking days off work. I started getting really sick. I started, and and to combat feeling sick, I kept drinking. So the benders started, you know, if I, if I drank, I'd be gone for three days, you know, hold up in my room or in my car, in a, you know, driving around drunk and hiding and doing all sorts of crazy shit in blackouts so it it just kept getting worse it was it was definitely like a downhill slide 
it's amazing Sonic. because that that it's always the same story. You know, it starts out fun, and of course, of course, and you can do it, and you can keep it going for a certain period of time. You can sustain that lifestyle until the repercussions start to fall. The the rest, uh, missing work,、um, yep, feelings of self loathing. Uh, recuperation time takes longer. That all plays a、yep. big part mentally, you know. And it's just, it, you know, I, again, like I look back and I, it's kind of ridiculous just how long it took me to get to AA. You know, I, I fought that fight for a few years of that where the drinking was really bad. You know, and 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 years—that's a long time to be doing that. You know, there was two or three, or three hospital visits, and you know, just. Just life was a mess, you know. I, every single day was hard, like to wake up and either try to get through the day without being sick, or trying to get through the day without anyone knowing. And and you know the mental obsession was rife. Like all I could think about was, does anyone know? How am I going to get through the day? Does anyone can can they smell alcohol on my breath? And and God, all I want to do is drink. And it's only nine o'clock in the morning, and I just want to get home and start drinking again. Like it just it it's a full time job, man. <laughs> it was it, it was it, it was、um, it was it's、nightmare. exhausting. It was a walking nightmare. It's it is exhausting、oh. because. Not only you, you have to like lie to yourself, you know. You have to lie to other people. Constant. Well, I believe that shit. It's it's a facade that you have to keep going. You know how much energy it takes to oh yeah deliberately, you know, like put someone on or put yourself. The worst is when you lie to yourself because you don't get anywhere in life. You feel shittier after you wake up in the morning. I wake up in the morning and、mm. say, "Well, here goes my life again." You know, like、mm. what the hell am I doing? I yeah, don't want to、yeah. wake up anymore. I knew deep down, like deep, deep down in the core of my soul, for years, I knew what you're doing isn't right. Like, like, I, and I would have that fear so much, but I, I was too scared to stop. You know, and I, and I hear that often in the rooms. Like, I was too scared to stop, and I was too scared not to stop, and that's exactly how I felt. You know, I didn't think I could,、um, and I was too scared to tell anyone. And admit that I had a problem because that would mean I might have had to have, God forbid, stopped drinking. And I didn't want to do that, despite I knew how much it was ruining everything. It was so. It was more important. It was way more important. When you got to that point, that for me, I don't know about for you, was th- that day was the scariest day in my life. Was a realization. It was the scariest and the most releasing.、Mm. Realize, yes, absolutely. Because I knew I had to look at myself at some point, and the wreckage of the、mm. past was never going to go away until I stopped. It was just going to keep、yeah. going on. And well, I had a very bad like hospital visit in January of of the year that I got sober, and drank a few weeks later, and then I kept drinking on and off until May. Like I didn't get sober until May, so that was five, four months of of destructive drinking, and it was on the second. Hospital visit、um, for drinking that I was just laying there in this hospital bed, and I'm like, you've got to do something different. Like, I can't keep doing this. You know, my my family and friends were barely, if at all, speaking to me. I'd lost everyone. I was. I'd lost my job. I'd lost the relationship I was in at the time. I'd lost that in March, I think, that year.、Um, my son, my ex husband, had taken my son. He just said, "You're not having any more. You're like this." You know.、Um, 
my parents were barely speaking to me my, my beautiful close girlfriends were not they were they were barely speaking to me and I remember distinctly laying in that hospital bed feeling like absolute crap um just thinking you've got to do something different you've just got to and that that's where I had that that desperation it hit me finally you know when you lose people in your life that you always count on the ones that were always there you know the family and the friends and it's done for a reason you don't see it then at least of course I, not i didn't see it but they had to do that um my yeah. parents can't were steadfast they stayed you know they didn't cut me loose they probably should have thank god they didn't well it's that it's in and and you know i i often wonder about that with my son if if it god forbid i hope it doesn't happen but if it does like you know do i cut him off and that that's that i mean i can't live in that what if sort of headspace but um it, it really was something that pushed me right to get like to to that moment of getting help was when people did start cutting me off and and really pulling back on me that's when i started to really freak out so it, it helped me I'm not sure whether you know i would recommend it but it absolutely helped me do you have any um any like legal issues because i did and and a lot of us did you know um they no. those things okay but you know surprisingly what? i mean you know the police are well aware of who i am um but i i technically didn't break any laws you know the the last hospital visit um well both my hospital visits where i was drunk the police and ambulance were involved but um there was no charges or anything like that because i they hadn't caught me driving or doing anything they just found me like passed out in my car so i'm sure they wanted to <laughs> Now they have le- they have rules around here. I think it's uh, if you're in a driver's seat. I think that the, if the keys in the ignition, that's DUI or there's a bunch yeah. of rules they can try and you know. But it could be like that here. I'm not sure. But whatever happened, whatever the rules are, I got away with it. And and that's actually something I've um, spoken to my sponsor about. You know, I actually harbour a little bit of guilt that I didn't get charged or anything like that like it's just a an amends that i need to a lifestyle amends that i need to be doing which i am doing so it's amazing how you look I, like I, I feel bad that I'm away with it do you know what i mean <laughs> i feel bad too because the, the, the times that i should have gotten my comeuppance i didn't and it's mm. it's something that at the time i was so happy to get away with but now looking back of course I'm much harder on the situation yeah and i'd say oh i should have gotten what i was deserved there you know and i didn't and and that that comes up a lot in the rooms um you know for years it was all about not getting caught and i would drive certain routes to avoid you know where a new police would be and stuff like that and not once did it occur to me that i was being unsafe and that i was putting other people at risk never never once occurred to me and i think i'd been sober about 6 months and I was chatting with a member about you know drink driving and stuff and I remember going home driving home that night crying my eyes out because it actually just hit me like the potential danger I was I used to drive in blackouts you know Oof. I'd wake up in places and not even know where I was you know no memory of how I got there you know if anyone ever want, wants to question your higher power just ask yourself why you're alive that's the way i see it how did you not get hurt and how, and more importantly i have no idea well cuz god I... <laughs> what about oh, the there's other people no other in the street, you know it's when i that's right there's no other income i could have hurt a lot of people 
as well as hundred percent. I wouldn't have cared about yeah. myself at that point. I do now, but no, nor nor I. Yeah, but it, at you, you say to yourself, society's uh, better off that I didn't hurt anyone. That's for sure, and better now that absolutely you're the, the person that you are today, and that's that's what's the most important thing. And sometimes we take that for granted. How far we've come. Yes. We can, yeah. I came yeah. a long way, and I forget. You know the, it's the respect that I have for myself today, and that other people give me, and I don't do anything special. I'm just a different person, and it's like you can pick up on the energy, you know. Yeah, I absolutely get what you're saying. I it's funny a couple of about a week ago, and I think it's because of of the COVID and me losing my job and stuff like that. I was saying to my sponsor, you know, I'm praying for direction, and I feel like I should be doing more with my life, and like I'm feel like something's missing, and and then I was cleaning up because you know we're all cleaning up around like chucking mm-hmm. junk out and stuff because we've got all this extra time on our hands, and I found um I found all the ambulance documents from the first time I went into hospital and the blood alcohol reading like I could have died it was really high it was 0.35 something nearly 3.36 and um it's huge yeah and I never knew that at the time and and I sat there and you know had my little cry and because I'm quite emotional now I really feel my feelings which I have no complaints about whatsoever but um I messaged my sponsor straight away and I said you know what this is all the direction I need is just to stay sober and talk to newcomers that's all I've got to do. I sometimes I hate the fact that I have emotions that I can like tap into at any step <laughs> in every direction. The whole oh yeah, I... <laughs> happiness to sadness. Yeah, I can, I can go from zero to hundred. But the way I see it now, it's it never lasts long with me. It's good. Like it's you know I don't dwell. I don't have pity parties. You know if 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 bad shit happens to me today, there's nothing wrong with me having a cry. Um, when but when I was drinking and something bad would happen, that would just give me license to to drink for three days and shut the world out and you know that that disgusting self-centeredness of poor me and you know my life is so terrible and it's just an absolute crock of shit, you know like it's um today I can feel all the feelings and just keep going forward. As long as I keep moving forward, I'm okay. You know what I, I, I felt, I found out about myself, you know, going to see a doctor. He's, he said, you're, you're actually, the emotional spectrum, you, you don't shy away from any part of it. You're a healthy mm-hmm. emotional being, meaning you can go mm-hmm. from this side to this side, happy to sad, all of it. You, you are in touch with every single one of your emotions and that's actually healthy. Yep. It's people that hide their emotions and people that stuff them down. He said that that's when you're not healthy um, because it always has, believe it or not, that, that puts a lot of stress on the heart and it's really bad. And I try to, to um, think about that and I try to stress it with people Then when I talk to them about, you know, mental mental issues are a bigger problem than we once thought we all thought that it's the physical body it's the heart yeah you know if you have stress that gives you the heart disease it's that simple it's what's in your head really matters and people that have yeah i've done a lot of research stuff and i agree with you like that you know they reckon there's a lot of research backing that stress is you know worse than drugs and alcohol yes they not that that people like us need to know stuff like that but but yeah they reckon stress is the worst i read that um or actually i heard it from this one guy out of canada who does uh i'm i'm not too familiar with them, but I heard a video, Gaber Mate or 
something along those lines. He's Hungarian, and he, and he he has proven through research that um, you know stress can actually cause cancer to um, I guess you'd say ignite in the body faster if, if you're predisposed yep. to it. I absolutely believe. Yep. Yep. And that is something that is amazing and. Of course. It's something to work on. Like, how do I get rid of this stress? You know, I get these resentments sometimes that fester back up, you know, and it's like, I am not comfortable being angry. I cannot be hateful. I'm not afforded that luxury in my life. And because I have no mood altering substances that I feel comfortable taking because I want to stay sober, I don't have the luxury yep. of that self-righteous anger that most earthlings have. And I can't yep. just go to the bar or I can't do a line or I can't smoke a joint. I can. I can do all those things if I want. But then I'm going to go back. Well, that's right. Yeah, life. you can. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. But you know what it leads to. It leads to self And that's why, you know, they push. That's why step four is, you know, there's, there's it kind of annoys me. There's this underlying, it doesn't annoy me. It's, it, there's an underlying um misconception that step four is the hardest step and you know people and i've seen people bust because of it um but now you know i'm I'm nearly four years sober and i've what am i in my third round of steps um i I continuously do them the first round of steps i had about 50 resentments and this time around i'm actually in step four now i've got 15 you know that's the stats are there. I, I, I don't hold on to shit as long anymore because I work through it and I know how dangerous resentment is. And I don't want to be like that anymore. I don't want to be angry. No. Um, it's a waste of time. Just, I don't, I mean, I'm not, I'm not cartwheeling every day and, you know, with flowers in my hair and, and beautiful soft music playing in the background. Like my life can, can be shit just as much as the next person. But um, I certainly don't hold on to it as much anymore. Nowhere near as much. It's such a gift, you know most powerful resentment i have is against myself and it of course it starts and ends pretty much with i resent myself for having resentments if that's not of course yeah (laughs) i don't know what is that's how that's right you know i was talking to my my sponsor and i said i read somewhere it is almost impossible to consider yourself an intellectual and try and stay sober at the same time it's almost like Yep. Being smart is really not a good thing. When yeah. When so what is smart? What does that mean? Do I have is smart that I've, I'm book smart or do I consider myself to be smart because I have opinions on things? Maybe I shouldn't have so many opinions sure. on things. Maybe I should just shut my hole yeah. and just kind of think of <laughs> sandy beaches and skiing. And well, it comes back to to me. It comes back to just taking that deep breath, pausing, and trusting that you're in the right place now in this moment. It is so hard. You know, my sponsor often, of course, it's bloody impossible some days. um, And it's very easy to say, but um, to practice it is very, very difficult. But what what you're saying about the knowledge side of it, you know, my sponsor will often remind me, she said alcoholics are amongst the smartest people out there, but but we can have all the knowledge in the world and we can intellectualize it all as much as we like. But is that keeping us sober? You know what's going to happen? Um, I knew for years I shouldn't drink, but I kept drinking. <laughs> you'll hear, you'll hear about, you'll hear the statement. If you keep thinking, you're going to think yourself right back into a drink, and absolutely, and that's yeah. exactly what happens because your brain thinks. And also, and and because we we always love our double edged sword and we love our paradoxes and stuff. A lot of the reason I drank was to stop thinking. Yes, 
exactly. And you know, so <laughs> when you're sober and you're thinking nonstop, then it, that's that's where it's like, oh, you know, a drink could really get rid of this. But um, but no, you can't do it that it like that anymore. You know, it's funny. Drinking does slow down the brain because the depressant. Mm. It's the next day when it's leaving your body. Oh my god! When your brain really ramps yeah. up. You wake up like you, you know, waking up in that absolute panic and, and just self-loathing, yeah. and like I am oh. worthless. I am not, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm, I could give a shit about myself right now, and it's mm-hmm. you're doing yourself disserve, disturb, disservice. I can't even get that out. Um, it's the worst thing I could have done was hate myself. You don't get mm-hmm. anywhere in life, and I used up so much energy on ways I can think about how much I dislike myself. Yep. And that makes you no good to anyone. And in turn, you become like that people pleaser that we hear about. It's that person who only Mm. does things to please people for self gratification. Because what happens is, as we all know, you get the thank yous and, oh, you shouldn't have done that. And you don't have to, Mm. but I want to, you know, and it's not genuine and they know it and you know it nowadays it's different and the kicker is it doesn't work it doesn't make it doesn't help any at all no it has the opposite effect but nowadays that's right what do i do now i help you because i am a a better person and i respect myself and i like to to share my optimism about the future and you know what if it entails me spoiling you a little bit or whatever if you're a good friend of mine or if i'm a relationship with you that's me that's mm. who i am now if you don't like it yeah sorry. it's genuine if i just and i think that that i think that's the difference now um is that when you do do that kind of stuff today it, it's real you know it's authentic it's, all my relationships today are genuine um if I if I don't want to be in someone's life, I'm not. It's as simple as that, you know. And but all the people in my life, I genuinely want to be with them. And when I, you know, do something for them or ring them to see how they are or check in on them, it, it's a hundred percent genuine. It's not. Oh, I really should do that because that's what it, how it looks good or that's what is expected of me. It, I, I do it because I, I want to do it now. Not that I didn't want to do it before, but I just it, it just feels different. It feels more authentic it is. now. And it is authentic, and that's why it feels authentic because, you know, we constantly rely on our feelings, and now we have all these feelings and emotions back. So we, we you know, at first you try and navigate through them. Um, and it's funny, the people-pleasing doesn't stop right away. For me, anyway, it didn't because when I got sober, what did I want to do? What's the first thing you want to do? Show everyone how good of a person you are now. You know, you want to go out <laughs> and you don't get it. You're already like, you're, you're moving too fast. You're putting the cart before the horse, slow down, get yeah. yourself better. And, and that's why yeah. I don't like people who make amends within the first month or two, because it puts too much pressure on that person feeling that they have to stay sober instead of wanting to be sober. And I think that's a, that's a thing that you work out with, you know, you're, you're sponsoring your high power. That's not everyone. That's just my feeling on the matter. Mm-hmm. But, um, I do believe that I've had instances where people tell me I'm too nice um, and I tell them there's no such thing. And I have people Mm. tell me that, oh, you don't have to do that. Uh, You know, be yourself, be natural. Uh, You don't have to buy me that or you don't have to do that for me. And and you know what? I I actually said to someone, tough shit, I'm doing it anyway. Like, 
I knew I wasn't <laughs> doing it to please you. I'm doing it because this is that's what I right. want to do. Tough shit. If you don't like that's it, right. then you can go somewhere That's the else. difference. Yeah. And that's the difference. And it was, and they looked at me like, oh, all right. That's just the way it's going to be. <laughs> if you don't like it, then I don't know what to tell you. You know? And people are like, yeah. oh, I guess you really are that type of person. Yeah, because you know what? I have a better life today. I'm very optimistic now. I'm very positive. I want to share, and it sounds like so corny. So I want to share my, my yeah. fun, my life. I want to share my passions, you know, with you. Yeah, absolutely. And I think today I actually use all the tools that are out there. You know, um, when when problems arise in my life, there's there's I can do a meeting. I can talk to my sponsor. I can talk to another AA member. I can talk to uh, you know one of many close friends. I can write on it. I can meditate on it. I can exercise on it. I can just sit with it and and ponder on it. You know, without dwelling too much. You know, whereas there's just so many more options today. Whereas before it was, oh, I'm just going to drink. That's all there was. It was the only option. You know. And it's just it's just crazy looking back. I have to tell you that your love of coffee is pretty close <laughs> to mine. Because every post is like a cup of coffee. I'm like, hey, my girl right there. You might be on the other side of the world. Yeah. You like coffee just the same. And when um when I started doing AA, people, you know, friends would ask me what it's like. And I said to I'd say to them, it's exactly like the movies. There's people just standing outside smoking and drinking coffee. But now that there's hardly any smoking now. It's just um I'm one of the last ones there. But um <laughs> but yeah, the coffee is still very much in full force. And and it's coffee, it's not only that, it's conversation. The coffee's real that yeah. coffee part standing outside before and after, that's like the water cooler part. You know, where everyone yeah. stands around yeah. and bullshits and then you get down to it either before or after. And then but then that's just the part of life. You know, that's that's good because just like with church, you're not supposed to sit there and then go out and act like a fool. You're supposed to sit there and then take what you learned and go use it in life mm -hmm. and show people that you're, you know, you're this good person now. Not that you weren't good before. Well, thank you. You're better. I think the greatest like. The greatest recommendation I can give up other people with AA is is for years I truly believed, in, and this is another one of the delusions, but I, I 100% believed that I was the only person experiencing what I was experiencing. And I, I can look back now and absolutely laugh yeah. at that mindset, but I genuinely believe that I was too, I used to write in journals, like I'm crazy, yep. no one will get me, no one will understand what I'm going through. And and then, you know, and I, I harbored that for years, years, you know, since, since I was a little kid, you know, you often hear people share that they just never felt like they fit in. Like I never felt like I fit in anywhere. Um, and, and I just thought that there was something physically literally spiritually wrong with me and I genuinely believe that and and you know you get to AA and whilst everyone's got different experiences and and different histories and stuff like that all you see is a room of people nodding at each other's stories you know it's like yeah I get that I've done that or I've done similar or I felt similar or you know it's it's the the unity just blows my mind every single day you go in thinking you're this evil monster like this entity that the world yeah. doesn't deserve and that you know you're a product of uh, satan and the devil but you're so yeah. far from it you're just 
or I genuinely believe it was defective. I really, I truly believe that there was something defective about me. And and even that, you look back on that, and that even that self-centered thinking. But um, yeah, we're we're a, we're a warped little bunch. We really are. <laughs> I say, you know what? It, it warped. However you want to look at it, we're doing what a lot of people don't do. A lot of people don't have this program of recovery that we have. They don't grasp that we're not a religious cult. That we just no. we just want to be better versions of ourselves because we couldn't live with the yep. the the version we were. You know, we were we put ourselves in. I'm not going to say we were born that way. We put ourselves mm. into that. You know, and I keep telling absolutely. And I tell people, and some people look at me funny. I'm like, you know, the the longer I'm sober, the the more I realize that the drink was really not the problem. You know, and it's like every day it gets a it little. It was a solution. It was a solution. The problem was my head. Yeah. And realizing that you're like, and and you get to AA and you think. Um, and I know I did this, you know, you come into AA and you think, well, I'm going to stop drinking. And then, you know, a couple of months later, you realize, oh, wow, there is so much more to work on. It, the alcohol is like a tiny percentage of what you need to work on. It's nothing. It's really nothing. It's you're. No. You're like, oh, my God, that's so far down the list of my problems. It's not even a problem. That's it's right. Problem. And, and I'm, I'm, I, I can come full circle now and I can stand here and say I'm grateful that I'm an alcoholic because if I wasn't, I wouldn't have all these opportunities to see life from a whole different perspective. There's very little people. I can't remember. Maybe perhaps one in the almost 13 years, God willing, I'll have on May 26th that have actually said like anything negative about the fact that I came to that realization and that I don't abuse substances anymore like you know mm. it, it blows my mind because i think a lot of people think that i have to like quarantine myself in the basement of um or in a dungeon somewhere and uh pray about the the horrors of the world and it couldn't be far sure like i can go into a setting where there's a bar you know a lot of times yes i arm myself with what i need to spiritually and mentally before i get into that setting anyway so what happens is i am actually fortifying my defenses before i even walk in there i don't have any it's the it's the problem is when i get happy and i get blindsided by something you know something catches mm -hmm. my eye when i'm having a great day and i'm nowhere near uh, a restaurant bar setting and something catches my eye and i'm like oh man that sucked you know but you're right it off well and that's right it it, it it doesn't matter what the situation is you know i i mean i must admit i don't like being around drunk people um i don't mind being around drinking i don't mind being around bars um or pubs we call them here um yeah. those those things don't bother me but yeah drunk does annoy me a bit but um at the end of the day if I'm going to drink, I'm going to drink. It's got nothing to do with what I'm going through or if I've lost my job or if I've broken my leg or if my kid's not talking to me. Uh, it's got nothing to do with any of that. If I'm going to drink, it's because I'm an alcoholic. Uh, you know, I've seen so many busts of, of other members and, and people I've, I know because of specific reasons. And, and to me, that's not true that's not the case if you're busting you're an alcoholic you know what i mean you're not working your program properly it's as simple as that it's amazing that you say that because it doesn't matter mad or glad like you say it could be raining it doesn't out doesn't matter if i'm gonna do it I'm gonna that's right it. And, yeah and a lot of times like I, with that blindsiding 
I'll be out on vacation skiing somewhere and I'll just see like a glass of perhaps red wine on someone's table and just think, oh, mm. that looks that looks pretty appealing. Never even liked red mm. wine. Don't even have a reason yeah, why I, I would. I do the same. You know, I was in a hotel with my son. Um, we stayed out, oh gosh, it was probably about a year ago. And he went downstairs to have a smoke and he'd left a beer sitting there. And I was sitting in the hotel room by myself going, thinking to myself, I could drink that. No, I didn't even know. Like, and I wasn't even a big beer drinker. That's just, that's what our minds do. You know, that's what this disease does. It doesn't want to cure. It's the only, and that's what that saying is. You know, there's a million catchphrases out there in AA, but um, it's the only disease that doesn't want to cure. You know, every day, or well, not even not every day, but there's I I still have moments where it's like go on, go on you, you want to like that that little devil sits on your shoulder. So I normally laugh it off, but it certainly doesn't disappear. That's for sure. The realization that it's in our own heads the whole time is kind of scary because it does is there, and you're just trying to focus on something else to keep that at bay. And you know it, you know that part of your brain just wants to scream out, "Let's go party." No, not today. <laughs> not today, Satan. Yeah. That's, <laughs> and you know, I'll, I'll often say to a newcomer, you know, if it helps, try to try to link that thought with one of your bad experiences drinking. And I'm sure you've got many. And you know, they always go, "Oh yeah, I've got heaps," you know. And mm. and I, I've got heaps, you know. And that that really helped me in early. I mean, I'm I'm still in early sobriety. I'm only four years sober. As on um, Saturday is my birthday. Oh, and, but congratulations. Yeah, very true. Very exciting. But um, what was I saying? Like, it, it, if you, you know, very early on, you know, you have all those like, I want to drink moments, I want to drink moments, and and just just linking it to a shitty experience from when you were drunk, that really really helped me early on. It was like, you know what? If you drink Belinda, this is what's going to happen. You're going to end up in hospital. You're going to crash your car. You're going to lose another job or another relationship or, you know. But that's, you know, it's easy to say. It's hard, it's hard to explain and it's hard to do. You've just got to take five minutes at a time. You know, they say one day at a time in AA. But honestly, in the beginning, it was five minutes at a time. And that took me a few weeks to get, to get past the mental obsession it's funny because uh, keeping it green is what we call it o- over here. And I don't know if okay. that's the same phrase, but keeping it green means remembering what it did. And it's not like yeah. a whole picture. Like think of something specifically that really gets to you if you think about it. Yeah. And there's yeah. so many choices. Uh, um, where do I begin? There's so many choices. People ask me, what's wrong with oh, you? Yeah. What's wrong with you? I <laughs> well, half of the stories I don't even have because I was in a blackout. <laughs> I kid around people and they're like, what's wrong with you? And I'm like, how much time do you have? You know, that's all I say. That's right. You know, yep. where do I, where do you want to start? You know, what year? <laughs> There's so many memories that, that just pop in and out. And so many times I tell my story and I forget things, but there's always something just as good to take its place. In fact, if I remember something, if I remember my whole story correctly, I'd probably be about two hours of just mm. war stories, which is not really the way I want to go. And I've even tweaked my story when I go out and speak in commitments about how much do I want to put about what got me here and how much do I want to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. The f- I absolutely agree with you. The, the particular home group that I very first walked into, we push a recovery message. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't really like the war stories too much because 
what's the point? It doesn't matter. We've all I got there. you in these rooms. Let's keep going. And, you know, my sponsor will often say to me, because I love, I love to overthink, I love to overanalyze, and she'll often say to me, like, you can think about this for as long as you like, but what are you going to do about it? Where's your action? You know, let's move forward. So, you know, I get, you know, in how it works, what it was like and what we are like now. You know, we, we will touch a little bit on the past. Um, but me personally, I don't talk a lot about the the good old days, you know, because I just don't see it as helpful. I, I want to help people by showing them what I do now to stay sober. Sometimes I'd say something that has a little shock to it that maybe someone hasn't mm. tried yet. But most of the time I get this look like, hey, buddy, we were all in the same war. You're preaching to the choir. Yeah. We all know what you're talking about. You, you know, move along. And, you know, I'm yeah. okay. All right. You know, and, and some it's some groups are different. You know, I, of course. Yeah, I, I've definitely seen groups where that's all it's about. And that's fine. Um, it's it's not a personal favorite of mine. That's that's for sure. Yeah, it's a, it's understandable, though. I mean, everyone's got everyone's got some, you know, painful stories. And I sure. guess part of telling your story is you got to touch a little bit so you can qualify as they say and people know that you mm. you know are the real deal or that's that ego that we have so much pride in you know um, <laughs> my story is gonna be better than yours uh you got shot eight oh times, yeah i got shot nine okay so there pal <laughs> And again, like it, it's just such a delusion. Like it just doesn't matter, you know. And, and I've seen, I've seen that in the rooms, you know. It's like, well, hang on, I was way drunker than that, and, you know. And my blood alcohol level was higher than yours. Like it doesn't matter. It, it just doesn't matter, you know. If you could be an alcoholic drinking only a couple of drinks a month, you can still be an alcoholic. It doesn't. The, there's, yeah, it just doesn't matter. It's like what it turns you into. And what, how do you That's feel? Right. Do you have the ability to never do it? And again, because knowing if you do it, you're going to turn into a, a self-loathing monster. And that's what that's really, right. people think that it's like you that's have a very good living, description living under a bridge and drinking 24 hours a day. No, it doesn't mean that at all. Did you get arrested? Did you beat somebody up? You know, were you domestic? But do you know it? Do you know what I share about? I like I have heard so many people. We Australians say the park, the guy on the park bench mm -hmm. with the brown paper bag. That's yeah. what we describe Same as what thing. you were just saying, the guy under the bridge. I'll get up quite frequently and share. I was jealous of that guy because no one was in that guy's face saying you need to stop drinking. Mm. And that I used to walk past those dudes in the parks going, man, I would love that lifestyle. Like that's what how my brain worked because I wouldn't have my parents upset with me. I wouldn't have my son upset with me. I wouldn't have my friends upset with me. I could just sit there and drink all day. Like that guy's got it made. And people like, expected <laughs> that. How, how, how bad is society that people expect to see that? If you don't see a bottle next to some guy who's sleeping on your bench, you're like, what are you doing here? What, what are you yeah. napping? Well, get up, go. Yeah. Go. Well, yeah, I was I was jealous of them. I thought they had a, the life, you know. I thought they had all the freedom in the world. Like, and obviously, I know that that's crap. <laughs> you know, that's a load of crap. But, but yeah, I I envied those drinkers. So sometimes I look at those people and I say to myself, "How do you survive at night?" You know. I know. I think about that. I often think about that when it's really cold or really windy. I um. I just think, wow, what are you guys or girls doing out there at the, that time? It is, it's quite grounding. It's that, and it's also the, what's going through your head. Because if you have anything like what's going through my head, God, I pray for mm. you, you know. 
because I can I yeah. can drive myself into the ground, you know, in freshly yeah freshly uh, laundered sheets in my bed of the house that I own, and and that's wrong. Even think of all that, I could just like, oh, my life sucks. Not really. No, it doesn't. Not at all. Not even close. You know. No. And that's it. And that's where, um, like I was saying earlier, you know, where I see a lot of busts uh, when when people are experiencing bad situations. Like my life has still has bad situations sober. You know, I, my dad died, and I've lost jobs, and um, I've had breakups, and I was, you know, I was a, on the other side of an a, an addicted person in a relationship. Like I've seen all, you know, again, it's not like a, you've been shot seven times. I've been shot eight. Like it's not a competition, but the point I'm trying to make is that I've still experienced plenty of bad things as a sober person, but I just have an absolute plethora of, of tools now I can use, you know, whereas like I said before, all I did was drink about it. So like people sort of, I think there's another misconception that you think if you stop drinking, your life just becomes beautiful. Oh. And, and that's not the case. You just handle your life better. I, I guess the only thing you could, if you're like three years old and you stop drinking, your life would probably become beautiful. But the problem with stopping <laughs> drinking is there's always something you've done that's really fucking stupid that comes of right course. down to bite you in the ass. You know, you're walking down the street and you're whistling and, and pink clouds and you're like, and then a cop rolls yeah. up behind you. Hey, you remember the other night when you were drunk and you spat in my face? And, <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. Sorry about that. See you in court. You know, it's 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 the wreckage of the past. That goes away, though. You know, we all know. It, yeah. it goes away. You got to work. Well, someone it. once said to me, um, one of my AA mates, I really like his shares, this guy. He's like full, like, Zen master. And... Um, and he once said, like, if you want to live in that self-pity and live in that guilt, that's self-centered. And I, that really rang true for me because I, I struggled a lot in the first couple of years of sobriety, you know. And like I said, I'm by no means like this this amazing sober person, like that's really getting the program. I still struggle like the next person. But um, I really struggled with the guilt, especially around my son, you know, that I wasn't, I, you know, I used to think, oh, well, I didn't hit him and I always told him I loved him. So I'm still a good mum. But then when I first got sober, the guilt would just consume me of, you know, and he, he's, he's 18 now. I'm not going to get that time back. I missed so much of his life because I was hungover or I wasn't present or I was drunk, you know, I was with him, but I wasn't with him, if you know what I mean. And, and I would spend hours and hours a night feeling so guilty that I couldn't do, you know, that I could never get that time back. Um, and I remember this guy saying to me once, he's like, yeah, but that's really self-centered behavior. Like you, you're laying there feeling sorry for yourself. Like, why don't you get up and fucking do something about it? And <laughs> and I really remembered that. Like it, it was a really good tip because I don't let the guilt consume me now. You know, it still comes. Don't get me wrong. I think, um, I think we'll probably go to our grave still having those moments of guilt flash up We're human. but um i certainly i said well yeah and i just i certainly don't dwell anymore because that's self-centered dwelling on stuff is self-centered i want to know and I, this is a question i don't think anyone can ever answer is when does um when do you become like emotionally healthy as a human being not just an alcoholic when do you turn into it's okay to feel that you know and people say sometimes it's not okay you can't you can't sit in your anger. Of course not. No one can. Mm. You can. We have more of a predisposition to do something stupid about it. But 
are we still you know <laughs> we're still human beings when it comes down to it and and you try and say well i'm not, you know i'm not a zen master like like we're not saints mm. as the saying goes to me i think it comes down to timing um like the the duration of the feeling you know i i'm an advocate huge advocate for feeling your feels you know if you want to get angry you scream you not at a person but um you know <laughs> you feel your feelings you can cry you can punch a pillow you can you know whatever you're feeling is fine but it's the length of how long you're there for you know, I, I still have my pity parties and I love them. You know, I'll, I'll play some sad music and I'll cry and I'll lay in bed. And But that only, to, today, that only goes for an, a couple of hours. Whereas when I was drinking, that would go for a few days. Catharsism is a friend of mine. Believe me, I know what you're talking about. It's really Yeah, good. I, I just think it comes down to timing, yeah. Sometimes you got to purge. Guys do it too. Don't let anybody fool. That's right. We just do it. Well, I think I feel sorry for men. There's much more of a stigma for men to not feel those feelings. You know, my son himself, he was always sort of raised to not cry and stuff like that. And then that's just bullshit. Like if he wants to cry, he can bloody well go and cry. Um, Yeah. So, yeah, I feel sorry for the men It's (laughs) in that respect. Well, that's why I tell a lot of people now, especially guys, if I I talk to them, listen – yeah, we're not going to walk down the street like, like a bunch of sissy Marys and cry, mm. you know, when we see a beautiful flower. But if you got to get it, if you got to get it out. <laughs> Depends you know, on the flower. Well, it could be a nice flower. Yeah, yeah you're right. <laughs> um, but we're, you got to get out the, you got to purge yourself of the crap that, yes. that you're sitting on because it's not healthy. And there's no, that's right. don't say you can't go home. If you want to go home and do it in private, go home, fucking let it out, dude. You know, that's yeah. why I go to the gym all the time because that is how I get my, and I'm having a hard time now, but that's how I get my endorphins going and I get that little stress out. Sure. Do whatever makes you happy is what I say. And it's like what we were talking about the stress earlier. Like if if you're if you hold back on a cry or a, or a, any kind of feeling, it will manifest, and then you know you'll find yourself getting sick, or or you'll displace that anger somewhere else. You know you'll yell at someone that you love because you're angry at someone else. You know, like you can't you can't just like leave it there to get festering and like to fester inside you. It gets toxic. You know. I know people. We can't we can't drink about it today, so we need to do something different. I know people who would stuff down their emotions and complain of migraines, and they're like, "I don't know." The doctor can't find anything wrong. I said, "You're going to the wrong doctor." That's why. And they're like, "Yeah, okay." Yeah, I I often. And, and my sponsor, my sponsor is a big advocate of that. She'll often sort of ask us and, and say to us, like, check in with your body all the time, you know, you're tense and your shoulders. Like, I, I carry a lot of my my anxiety and stuff like that in my shoulders and my neck. So they're quite often sore, you know, and, and I know that that's my my thinking that is the, sort of 90% of the reason why it's like that. So we got about five minutes left in the hour. Okay. Um, I generally do about an hour. What? I can't believe how quick that went. I, it did go quick <laughs> I was so nervous. Wrapping back and forth. Great. What do you have? Yeah. Now, do you want to plug your your Instagram or? You know, that's that's your your sober site. Do you want to plug that, or you want to just leave that for people? Yeah, I'm I'm more than happy. I mean, I'm gobsmacked with um it, with that with the reception I've gotten from that page. Um, it's Great. called Sober Saw, and um. 
but I have, I've, you know, I've met so many people around the world that I, you know, I've messaged people in in England and you know I met you and I meet I've got friends all around America and I've got friends all around Europe and I've you know I'm chatting to I still chat to a, a AANA person in um in Nepal you know it's just oh, wow. it just fascinates me it's it, it, my it mind-blowing just how many how how easy you can connect through um through the Instagram page I'm really really grateful for it it's um it's it's that social um, outlet that you know I think we needed at this time, especially. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, people say, "Oh, social networks." You know, they're for the birds. People go on there and they yeah. they, they blindly it's pros get, and cons. Yeah. Like Twitter. There's definitely pros and cons, but you know, like uh, I get messages from people saying, "Oh my God, guess what? I'm you know 100 days sober." It's like, wow, like that amazes me, you know, just as much as it amazes me face to face. So the feelings are still there. But how great is it to have it now? We really need it now oh, more than ever. Oh, you're not wrong. Yeah, you are not wrong. It, it's been an absolute, and I, I think I shared about that on my sober page. Like, I just don't think Bill and Bob would have ever thought we'd be zooming in meetings and stuff like that. Like eighty years odd years later, you know, it's just phenomenal. You use any means necessary to stay the course. That's, That's right. Say. Willing to any lengths, you know? <laughs> and it's part of it. It's true. What do you have to say? Yeah, to people listening, um, to give them hope for maybe perhaps what they're going through now. Um, perhaps maybe the isolation, the quarantining, how are you staying mm -hmm. in the course? What do you have in closing to, to give people that hope that I know you have inside you? The only, I mean, reach out. That's all I can say is reach out and connect with other people. Don't try not to let that fear that you're the only one going through it. Mm don't let that fear win there are there are so many people out there willing to help and connect and um and yeah I, I mean I find it myself if I don't talk to people for a few days like it can be dangerous for me so connecting it's all about connecting I think that that is the wisest thing that you can say mm. it's all about keeping yeah. in touch because once we lose touch um we start to lose that's touch. right we get in our heads and our heads are bloody dangerous places to be that's why stuck <laughs> in the attic is where you don't want to be at least not alone. That's right. Exactly. It's such a good analogy. At least not alone. Well, this has been a beautiful episode. And um, yes, thank you. I'll, I appreciate being asked. I'm very humbled. I am very happy that I can get people like yourself to come on here and share their their hope with people. Uh, it means a lot to mm -hmm. me, and it means a lot to every single person that's going to listen to this. Believe me. Um, and oh, cool. I will see you very soon on the gram, as I like to. No worries. And I'll talk to you soon. Okay. <laughs> All right, mate.